0: Everything going to be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3.
1: The Raging Cajuns get back on track on the road. Across the country, without their starting quarterback, without their starting running back, and yet still find a way to get the dub, snap the three-game losing streak, to improve to three and three overall on the season. Whew. Just what the doctor ordered. And now when you look at this schedule for Coach Dez's team, winnable games against Arkansas State, winnable game against Southern Miss. Winnable game against Georgia Southern still. Uh, three of their next four are winnable games. Could get right back into the mix of things for a bowl game. Good morning. Welcome to RP three and company. I'm your host, the big bald and beautiful one, Raymond Parch the third. I'm joined by the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five names. She's ready. She's ready to even up her series. One one today. She's confident got Castillo pitching don't you ooh. Ooh. ooh! that guy's all about the filth got a great show lined up for you on this wet Thursday morning please be careful out there we had the thunderstorm system come through the area earlier this morning promptly around about 3 45 4 o'clock at my house <laughs> didn't need the alarm today just needed those windows to be shaking from the thunder boomers so please be careful out there this morning while you're making your morning commute for work or for school. We have three guests lined up for you. we we'll talk to our friend Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports. Some of the best games to bet on this weekend. Of course, they involve SEC schools. We'll also get his thoughts on Cincinnati, New Orleans in the NFL. That'll be at 7.30 at 8 o'clock. Saints. All Saints. With our buddy Les East from CrescentCitySports.com. And then at 8.30... College football discussion with Chris Vanini of The Athletic. Covers college football nationally for The Athletic. So those are our three guests. Lee Sterling at 7.30. 8 o'clock, Les Easton and 8.30. Chris Vanini. Of course, we'll recap what happened last night in Major League Baseball as the two divisional series in the National League are now knotted up one game apiece. We'll look ahead to this afternoon's game between the Astros and the Mariners. And, of course, we'll take your phone calls. Game hotline is open 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. But we got to start with the Raging Cajuns. Had the spotlight to themselves, with the exception of National League Baseball going on, Had the extra week to prepare, week and a half really to prepare. And no Chris Smith, the All-American kick returner and running back. Chandler Fields, we already knew, was not going to be able to play. He got banged up in the previous game. So Coach Dez and his staff prepared for Marshall with Ben Woolridge at quarterback. First time he had started all season. And gave them the opportunity to see what they had in the young man. See what he brought a little bit different to the table. And they're taking on a Marshall team that was hungry for a win. Not only because they were hosting a nationally televised game at their place. That's part of it. Not because they lost to the Cajuns in the bowl game which they had, which was a very entertaining and competitive bowl game in the New Orleans Bowl. But also because they needed to get a dub. They had upset the Notre Dame Fighting Irish in South Bend earlier this season. It was a weekend where we had not one but two top ten teams lose. But the Thundering Herd had struggled since. They were 3-2. and two. Had lost to Bowling Green. And were trying to avoid dropping to 3-3 three and three overall. So it was a big game for them as well. The trajectory of their season could hinge on what happened last night. Just the same thing for the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. After starting the season 2-0, and looking inconsistent but still getting the wins, the loss at Rice. The loss to open up conference play at ULM than the loss of South Alabama. But the Cajuns get right. Despite being down their starting quarterback, starting running back, and having to go into one of the toughest places to play, we've been told this by people that cover college football, that Huntington, West Virginia, can be a immensely difficult place to go play a game. The Raging Cage and say, No big deal. We got this. And they do so last night without even being able to run the ball effectively, especially early. They did not do a great job. Now, later on, they were able to lean on the running game, especially there in the fourth quarter, to put the game away. But It was a bit of a slugfest. 23-13 victory. UL gets the field goal early in the first quarter to get some points on the board. And they desperately needed it. But they get the field goal by Kenny. That puts them up 3-0. Then there's nothing. This is a low-scoring, old-fashioned slugfest. Two teams led by their defenses, and, and we've talked about this all season long that the Raging Cajuns are led by their defense. That's what they are. Offense is a work in progress. Special teams, big question mark, except for the return game. Your returners are top notch, all Americans. But this team's led by its defense, and it showed last night. They held Marshall to a whopping seven points in the first half. The problem, they only scored three in the first half. The the deficiencies of this raging Cajun's team is his offense. But then came the third quarter. 13 points. That gives them the lead. They hold this, and then they hold on in the fourth. They improved to 3-3 overall, 1-2 in conference play. Marshall falls to 3-3 overall. They're now 0-2 in conference play. Ben Woolridge, efficient. Looks pretty good, right? On the road, making his first collegiate start against a very good defensive team. 17-30, 230 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. You can take that all day long. That's winning football. That you, you can win a lot of games in the Sun Belt Conference if your quarterback goes out there and gets you two thirty, no picks, a couple of touchdowns, and completes more than fifty percent of his passes. Jefferson, great touchdown grab in this game. Three catches for seventy-one yards to lead the Cajuns, but credit Woolridge because he dispersed the ball. Tight end Neil Johnson had a couple of catches. Wide receiver John Stevens Jr. had a sensational catch late in this ballgame, 34 yards. Errol Rogers Jr., the former LCA star, we really haven't called his name a lot this year. He steps up with a couple of catches. Peter LeBlanc, former Catholic High of New Iberia star, three catches. Fleming on the touchdown. Disperse the ball to multiple wide receivers. Flowers was a beast on defense, recovering two fumbles. Defense once again. Quibodeau led the team in 14 tackles. Braylon Trahan, former Acadiana high star, 12 tackles, five of those solo. Chris Moncrief had a sack. He had 10 tackles. I mean, it was a total team effort here. Tron also had the interception, which he was able to return for 25 yards. Total team effort. And you got great special teams play. You you couldn't run the football last night because Marshall game plan to stop your, your running game. So you had to go to the passing game. It worked. Disperse the ball to multiple wide receivers to move the ball down the field. Your defense was lights out. Recovering fumbles, getting a pick. But you got to get a shot out to Kenny Almodaris. Because he's had a rough go of it this year. He's missed some kicks that could have won them games. Three for three a long of 52 yards. Made both extra points. Three for three and a long of 52 yards. Talk about a confidence booster for your young man. He said afterwards, coach says, hey, you want to kick this? And coach said, and coach asked him, hey, you want to go kick this? And he said, sure do. All right, get it done. There you go. Kickers sometimes... Kickers sometimes need the confidence of their coach to believe in them, and that makes all the difference in the world. So you got great special teams. Your kicker was perfect. Boots a field goal from 50 to 52 yards out. You force multiple turnovers. By the way, their turnover margin is ridiculous this year. The problem is that they just don't score enough points. Their defense is forcing turnovers. They've been phenomenal at it all season just haven't been able score enough points. They did manage to get 108 yards on the ground, which is not awful. It's not great. It's not awful. Woolridge, though, ended up leading them in rushing with 10 carries for 45 yards. Washington, 8 carries for 22 yards. Terrence Williams, 9 carries for 18 yards. Kabodi. 13 yards on five carries. They just can't run the football. But they found something. New guy quarterback starting on the road, hostile environment, defense and special teams set up, and the offense went to the air because Marshall was taking away the run game because it wasn't effective. 23 to 13. And now you look at the Cajun schedule and you go, okay, we were worried. Could this team be a bowl team? So I kept saying this this game against Marshall could change the trajectory of your season. After losing three straight, they snap that now. Now they're three and three. Well, you know you got to get to the magic six-win mark to be bowl eligible. right? So let's take away being able to have a chance to win the conference or to play for a conference championship, which is still not out of the realm of possibilities. They're 0-2 in the West, which hurts. But you look ahead to what they have, and things now get a little bit more interesting because in the West, South Alabama, 4-1, and Troy, 4-2, and Texas State coming off crushing App State, they're 3 and 3. Arkansas State 2 and 4. Even though ULM beat them, ULM's only 2 and 4. And Southern Miss is 2 and 3. Well, let's look what they got up next. Arkansas State a week from Saturday at home, rivalry game. That's a winnable game. You just went on the road to beat Marshall, you should be able to beat Arkansas State at home. Then it's at Southern Miss on that Thursday night the following Thursday in Hattiesburg. Old rivalry game between those two. Those are two winnable games. So you're 3-3 three and three now. You win those two back-to-back. Now you're 5-3 and three with four games left. Well, Troy's pretty good. I already told you about them, right? They're second right now in the Sun Belt West at 4-2 and two overall. Okay. But Georgia Southern who, by the way, started the year with that great win over Nebraska, which essentially ended to Nebraska coach being fired. Georgia Southern's 3-3 three and three overall, 0-2 in the conference. That's a winnable game. That's also on a Thursday night at home at Cajun Field. Not going to be beating Florida State. No, November 19th. But then Texas State. Texas State crushed App State but they're still only three and three overall. Now with the Cajuns getting to three and three, now you look at this schedule and you go, okay, they can pile up some wins here. They have to beat Arkansas State. They have to beat Southern Miss. If they do that, then all of a sudden, they're a five and three team heading into the four games in November. If they beat the next two opponents, which they'll likely be favored to do so, they'll be five and three, which means you got four games you would like to get to seven wins to ensure that you have a bowl spot, but six gets you bowl eligible. It's not out of the realm of possibilities now. It's just not because you can go in and take the Florida State game away. So really you got three games get at least one win maybe two but this is a step in the right direction they got the win they got back to 500 let's see if they can string together some wins here get some momentum going towards the back half of the season especially for the rivalry game against Arkansas that's back-to-back rivalry games new school rivalry with Arkansas State because that series is weird Things always crazy happen between the Red Wolves and the Cajuns, but and then right after that you have an old school rivalry with Southern Miss. Month of October is going to be huge for the Raging Cajuns. We got to take a timeout. When we return here in RP Three and Company, we'll hear from those Cajuns after last night's win, which was delayed by lightning. nothing like a good old-fashioned weather like maybe the Cajuns should be in more lightning delays because when that happens they come out and they look really good after the delay can we can we get Dr. Brian Magger just to orchestrate something like that for the Arkansas State game some faux lightning something like that we'll hear from the Cajuns themselves coming up next you're listening to the game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros we
0: love talking about sports. Yeah. You love listening to sports. Yep. Sounds like we were meant to be together. Or at least friends with benefits. Aren't you glad you found us? Yep. Mm, yep. Mm-hmm. Back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and, and 1041, 1041 Lake, Lake Charles, Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
2: You know I'm really proud of our team tonight Um, you know we've we've gone we had three weeks in a row where we went out there and just felt like we left something out there and um, this week just the work that they did leading up to this thing and just the belief that they have in each other um, even when things weren't great we played team football tonight and defensively provide us a spark in the second half and offensively kind of what we've been waiting for all year was we took advantage of some of those and uh, you know, just, you know, proud of the grit and the determination in this team. And you know what? Sometimes you win them and they're not very pretty and that's okay. Um, but right there, you know, the way we finished that game, I'm um, really proud of this team and, um, you know, just excited for them.
1: Coach Dez talking afterwards as his team got a much needed win, snapping a three-game losing streak as they went on the road to Huntington, West Virginia and took down the Marshall Thundering Herd to improve to three and three on the season. I've said this before. It doesn't really matter if it looks good. All right? Look, the Cajuns won a lot of ugly games under Billy Napier, too. They did. Now, they won a lot of games the last three years. But I keep going back to that first season. I had to remind someone who works here in the building about that. Billy's first year, they looked bad. Remember? They were a 500-ball club, barely. They got to, what, seven wins? The West was down that year. They got to play for the cha- uh, conference championship. Got smacked around a little bit by App State and then got smacked around by Tulane in the bowl game. Remember? It was a work in progress. It was Billy's first year as a first-year head coach. That's right. To believe that Des was just going to take over the program and they were going to be like a 13-win team is just not realistic. That's not how college football operates, especially at the group of five level. They were going to lose a ton. You lost a four-year starting quarterback. You lost four guys across your offensive line. Two to graduation that had been starters for like three years. Another one starting in the NFL right now for the New York Jets. And the other one is starting for the University of Florida Gators. You lost two running backs, two of your three leading running backs. One by the way is playing for the University of Florida Gators, the other one's playing for the TCU Hornfrogs. In what realm of possibility did you believe that this team was just going to keep rolling and be a 10-11 win team? That's a huge talent Exodus, two starting caliber running backs, gone. Four offensive linemen, gone. One of them starting in the SEC, the other one starting in the NFL. Oh, and the leadership and the experience that comes with having a guy start at quarterback for four years. And some Raging Cajun fans were like, I can't believe they're struggling. Yeah, they're going to struggle. It's going to be an adjustment year. It's Coach Dez's first year at the helm of the program. Sure enough, they've been leaning on their defense. Now they've finally made a change at quarterback. I don't believe they're going back. It's not a knock on Chandler Fields. I like Chandler. I've had no problem dealing with the young man over the years. But this offense looked Pretty good with Ben Woolridge at the helm, and he had a week and a half of reps. You go on the road, no turnovers by Ben. Completes a little bit more than 50% of his passes, over 200 yards passing. They tried to stop the run. He was able to pick them apart. Winning formula. What you saw last night was not the prettiest game, but what you saw last night from the Cajuns, can work for them to continue winning football games. Once again, Billy's first year was not pretty to watch at times. Heck, there was games even when they were winning 10, 11, 12 games a year that weren't pretty to watch. But an ugly win is still a win. And if you can get a quarterback to not turn over the ball, to get your roughly... 220 to 250 yards passing and a couple of scores a game and he doesn't turn the ball over and your defense plays the way that it does. And now you got Kenny back on track, three field goals out of three attempts, including one from 52 yards out on the road. Now his confidence is going to be sky high. So, oh, I got a confident kicker, a great defense, and a quarterback that doesn't turn over the football. You're going to win a lot of football games that way. And and look, oh, it's the halfway point of the season, and they're starting to play better football. Remember they they played well against South Alabama, just lost. Remember we talked about that? And and now they got to win? It's funny how that works. It's funny how that works sometimes. Ben Woolridge, very efficient, played very well. And Coach Dez talked about, the young man who got his first collegiate start at quarterback.
2: Ben willed us to win tonight. Um, You know, that was one of the gutsiest performances, you know, to go out there. He threw the ball really well um, when he had some time in there. And listen, I mean, they're good up front, you know. Uh, We played them last year, and and those guys are back, and they've reloaded. They've got better players now, I think, than they did last year. A lot of those guys are a year older. Um, And he made some really good throws when we needed them. Um, he played his tail off, and you know he's just—he is just a competitor, and he willed this team to win. And uh, you know that's what you got to have sometimes—you got to have a guy pulling the trigger that is going to go out there and do whatever it takes to find a way to win.
1: And he did, and he completed passes to the tight ends and wide receivers. He was very diverse in their passing attack, and it worked. And he was efficient. And that's what you want. And I think they got their guy now moving forward. Defense was outstanding. You hold the thundering herd to only 13 points in this ball game at their place. Huh. Give it up for the defensive performance, and Coach Dez did exactly that afterwards.
2: Yeah, you know, I mean, they, they run the football really well, um, and they've done it every game this year. Um, so for us you know we knew that it was they're going to chip away at it and they don't go away from it they're going to keep doing it and um, and you saw that tonight right they, they just kind of stay with it um, until they get one to pop and the running back is really really good offensive line wise i think they've gotten a lot better um, they covered up pretty good and they strain uh, but you know certainly some of the sacks some of the pressure on the quarterback in the past game was was huge for us you know got some key sacks uh, and, and even just pressure where you know early in the game he wasn't wasn't throwing the ball as effectively and i think it's because we were in his face a little bit
1: defense competent quarterback play special teams there's your formula now can we get the lightning delay to be a new permanent thing because the last time there was a lightning delay that would have been against that was what eastern michigan in that game and we had the lightning delay for like an hour and uh I can tell you, he was a big lightning delay fan. Kevin Foote expressed that on, on social media last night. That's, that's sarcasm. <laughs> but they came out and played like gangbusters after the lightning delay against Eastern Michigan. They did so again last night. And of course, Dez had a little fun with that.
2: I don't know. Eric Truel told us he was praying to get rid of the fans. And he said the weather delay was God's way of doing it. So, you know, we'll take it. Uh, no, I mean, you know, we, we sat in the locker room and, and, you know, the thing we talked about was, listen, this is either an advantage or it's a disadvantage, however you take it. And we've been there before um, and we played really well after a lightning delay. Um, so I think for our kids, it was kind of like, all right, well, let's, let's just go duplicate what we've already done. Um, you know, sometimes, I mean, when you've been there already, you just kind of go out there and just say, all right, well, let's just, let's just go do it again. And so for our kids, I mean, they just, they handle adversity well. They do, um, and tonight, you know, that was a long halftime. We went out, had to come back up, all that stuff, and uh, I just, I just was really, I was just really pleased with their response to all that stuff.
1: Really pleased with the response, and as he should be. Look, the win last night doesn't cure all the ails for the Cajuns. Still got to figure out how to run the ball more effectively, right? Still got to figure out how to put up some more points. Defense is going to lead you. And and the schedule isn't easy, right? Arkansas State is a winnable game. Southern Miss is a winnable game. Troy, that's going to be a dogfight. But Georgia Southern's a winnable game. The, the Sun Belt is topsy-turvy this year. It just is. You have a couple teams that are undefeated in the East. But everyone else is three losses. Two or three losses in conference play. So everything could be still in front of the Cajuns. So we'll see. We'll see if they can build on this momentum. Now they'll have a couple extra days to prepare for their game on Saturday versus Arkansas State, a week from Saturday. Cajuns leads us to our poll question of the day. How confident are you that the Raging Cajuns have turned a corner? Very confident, just confident, or not confident. Go vote on that. Leave your thoughts on Facebook and Twitter, and we'll share it throughout today's show but we got to take a timeout when we return here on rp3 and company we'll we'll shift gears a little bit talk a little new orleans saints football as well as they're gearing up to take on the cincinnati Bengals. joe burrow jamar chase come to town that'll be coming up next right here on the game southwest louisiana sports station in your home for the lsu tigers and houston astros
0: P3 is the epitome of a high roller, constantly making large bets.
1: But by doing that, the minimum bet is a dollar for a win, a dollar for a place, a dollar for a show. So it's essentially a $3 bet that netted me a cool $6.70.
0: What? Okay, so he's not a risk taker. He's your best bet for sports stock. 19. Hit me. 20. Hit me.
2: 21. Hit me. 22.
0: No. Now back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Lafayette Marble and Granite offers the largest selection of granite, quartz, and marble in Acadiana, and they appreciate the opportunity to earn your business. As you've heard me tell you before, Chris and his team over at LMG, they provide more than show-stopping marble countertops for your kitchens, your bathrooms, and your man caves. LMG also now has an extensive selection of custom shower builds with their new grout-free showers. Let me tell you, guys, you want to listen up about this. No more grouting your tub or your tile work Okay, in your shower. No fuss, no muss, and guess what? No stinky odor after a few years. You don't have to worry about the maintenance of dealing with the grout in your shower anymore. Make sure to visit their website, LMGElite.com, to learn more about all the sensational services and tremendous products that they have to offer. Live inventory is updated every single Wednesday. That's right, every single Wednesday. So visit LMGElite.com or stop by their soon-to-be-renovated showroom Located right there on I-49 North across from Hub City Ford, Lafayette, Marble, and Granite. They're looking to earn your business, and trust me, earn it, they will. Key voting on that poll question of the day. How confident are you that the Ragin' Cajuns have now turned a corner after last night's road win against the Marshall Thundering Herd to get back to 3-3 three and three on the season, snapping a three-game losing streak? Right now, 44% of you say confident. 41% say not confident. 15% say very confident. Let's get to some comments. Ton on Twitter says, still a long way to go. Let's see how the next week progresses. By the way, it's amazing how they can get into a flow with just one QB, isn't it? And then sharing the SpongeBob gif, of course. Salty Steve, oh! All last night proved was Marshall is the worst team in the fun belt. UL is far from the Billy era, and it looks like they may take years to be good again. Salty Steve, uh, Steve, you do realize the first era of the Billy Napier era, first year, it, they were barely 500. Remember? I, I just, I, I just want to make sure pe- pe- people tend to forget things. They get a little forgetful. They, they, they have short-term memory, so to speak. They, they don't remember the team struggling mightily that first year. Oh, no, no, we, we all forgot about that, huh? All forgot about that. Ton, of course, says, I love your comments. With the guy dumping salt, gif. Derek says, what years? You're exaggerating exaggerating for effect. Oh, salty, Steve. People love bagging on Coach Dez, man. Mr. Green says they haven't turned the corner yet, but they're peeking around. It still have work to do, but marked improvement all around. Do you think they go back to two quarterbacks? I hope not. I don't think they do. I think Chandler getting injured, them being forced to use Ben, them winning on the road, now, Dez can transition and go, look, this is our guy. We were able to win. The team kind of found something a little bit here. I, you know, it sucks for Chandler, but Chandler's going to be our number two. Ben's going to be the number one. That's how it should go. That's how it should go. But we know how loyal Coach Dez is, but that's what should happen here. And then you could say, well, Chandler's not going to be quite 100% for the Arkansas State game. Ben gets another. Look, definitely for sure, if. Chandler can't go and Ben starts against Ark State a week from Saturday at the Cajun field, and they win, that's done. It's done. It's going to be Ben's job moving forward. Because you can't afford to keep playing around with a guy coming in for every three series, right? Every third series. You can't do that. Especially if you're trying to fight to get back into the Sun Belt West race or to get bowl eligible. You can't be messing around. You just can't. Ralph on Twitter says, seriously, though, I'm more optimistic if not confident, but I saw a coach that displayed much more confidence. And, yes, please stay with one quarterback unless Taysom Hill walks on. (laughs) John Paul Cajun Daddy says, I would say that last night I saw a team with an identity. That defense stepped up last night and the offense was consistent and had long, effective drives. And Ben was protected on passes. That's something that we haven't touched on. I'm glad John Paul brought it up. Two things. That looked like a Raging Cajuns football team last night, didn't it? That was the best they've looked in a game so far this year. They looked like they had an identity. We're going to play tough defense, we're going to have very good special teams, and we're going to have competent consistent play at quarterback now you would still like them to run the football better this is not a perfect team and I'll say it again this team is going to win some ugly games it's not going to be pretty not not even by any stretch of the imagination are they going to look pretty in the back half of their schedule you're gonna be like ugh. but this is a transition year see how things are transitioning and not looking as pretty as you'd like them at LSU or at McNeese. Look at any job in the country. Hey, how's the transition going at Oklahoma, by the way? Boomer Sumer doing really good, changing coaches? After their last coach left for another job and took some of their best players with him to USC? How's a program like Oklahoma with all its resources and tradition? How's it faring? Oh, that's right. They're 0-3 in Big 12. And y'all want to be bagging on Coach Des for making a transition at a place with less resources and far less talent. First years are always tough. Always tough. Always tough. It, the history of the game will tell you that. Look around. How's it going in Miami with their new head coach? Huh? All right, yeah, there we go. Oklahoma, uh, uh, there you go. I, I give you big-name programs. It's tough. It's hasn't been pretty for Billy Napier at Florida. By the way, they're 4-2. and two. They've had inconsistent quarterback play. Haven't they? Eh, there you go. Just saying. Last night's game finally looked like the Cajuns look like they f- they're finding their identity. They still have plenty of work to do. So saying, hey, I'm, I'm a little bit more confident. But not, you know, I'm a little bit more optimistic, but not confident, like Ralph said. You can take that all day long. I agree. This team still has stuff to work on. Got to figure out how to run the ball more effectively. Now, they did late. They pounded the rock. They ate up clock late in this game. They were able to lean on their running game a little bit there. But you got to be able to run the football more effectively. Just have to. That's something that you've got to work on. Ralph also says, being a football nerd, I felt the Cajuns had hit a sour patch with their kids, and after last night's Laffy Taffy, if a win, I'm confident now, but check with me later. Oh, that is beautiful. Ralph went back to yesterday's poll question of the day. Bravo, sir. Dat Cajun says, one win after losing several straight doesn't mean you turned the corner. One game isn't even a winning streak. But you got to get the win to be able to start turning a corner, don't you? I mean, we could argue about the semantics there. But it's fair. You want to have buyers, you know, you want to be buyer beware here, right? Okay. You want to be a little hesitant, want to be cautious? Sure. All right. Darren on Twitter says, you know exactly what they are, a great defensive team with a sketchy offense. We've seen teams win like that before. The key to winning like that is playing mistake-free and not committing stupid penalties, killing your drives, and giving the other team points. Darren, who's the number one Raging Cajun fan of RP3 and company, is correct. And then, yeah, they kept saying Trey's last name wrong again. Yeah, yeah look the the, the national guys they, they struggle with those those names from from Louisiana is it is yeah, yeah. I I was surprised that they struggled with his name Darren says do y'all think we can see Lejeune in the Wildcat more often that's intriguing too because they 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 pulled that out of their hat last night too right that could work once again getting some confidence here. JPK, the OD, says getting there. They finally have decided on a QB. The defense is as solid as it ever has been. We just need to find a running game. That will be dependent on the O-line coming around. I I agree. The the missing piece for the Cajuns, Ben looks like to be a competent quarterback. He doesn't look great. But once again, you don't need great quarterback play to win a bunch of games. They have a great defense. Special teams can kind of come into fold here. You have Kenny now being more confident. Well, now you got two of the three phases that you're really good at. Offense could help out greatly if they could run the football just a little bit better. Maybe another like 45, 50 yards a game. I know that doesn't seem like a ton, but that could make all the difference in the world. Getting right over 100 yards in a ball game to 150 makes all the difference in the world. Keep those votes coming. A slew of comments. Y'all are fired up, ready to go. I love it. Keep them coming. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kiddos here. We are a family-friendly show now. No need to get sideways. But right now, 47% of you say you are confident. 37% say not confident. 16% say very confident. Keep voting on our poll question of the day. Leave those comments on Facebook and Twitter. we got to take a timeout. When we return, New Orleans Saints That'll be next right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Uh, New Orleans Saints gearing up for the Cincinnati Bengals. Finally, they snap their losing skid uh, against the Seattle Seahawks, and now they're trying to take on a fellow 2-3 and three team Sunday midday noon kickoff inside the caesar superdome and cam jordan the longtime veteran star captain of the defense on what makes joey b that's right joe burrow so special
3: he's able to make those deep throws he's able to put you know the ball on money um he's he has great pocket presence um and and in a league of more rollout play action, boot, running backs, if you're over uh, Atlanta-type quarterbacks. You know, you have a guy who's getting shifty in the pocket and out there throwing that thing at a high clip.
1: He is immensely, immensely shifty and deceivingly so. And you know about the arm talent with Joe Burrow. And, you know, what about the potential of a lot of LSU Saints fans wearing Joe Burrow or Cincinnati Bengals jerseys instead of Saints jerseys on Sunday?
3: Everything that we do for dome for dome Field advantage, I think that's exactly where we need to be. Um they come in and it's great that you support your local, you know, your local college. You'd love to see that people are excelling in the league. And at the same time, there's gonna be just as many Jarvis and Tyron Matthews jerseys, you know? We're gonna rock it out and we're gonna know that, you know, the fans showed up like they did last week. We're gonna be in a phenomenal place this week.
1: There it is. There it is. Cam saying all the right things. And hey, what just said wow. we got our LSU guys too. I like that. Hour number one has come to a close. Hour number two coming up right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything. Everything. Everything going to be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3.
1: I love when I interact with our listeners. I got little dots coming up on a direct message. For my boy, Salty Steve, <laughs> I love that. I actually do. I really do. I, l- I love that. A lot of people will be like, "No, nah, no, nah. I love. I love when you guys comment on our poll question and want to have a conversation. I love it. I love it." Because look, I can see it from a multitude of ways. We talked a lot in hour number one about the raging Cajuns. We're asking, like, we're legitimately asking, do we feel like they turned a corner? And I'm going to be honest with you, maybe. Maybe I'm always going to be a little bit more conservative on these things. They did look like a raging Cajun football team last night. They did. Now, that doesn't mean that everything's fixed, right? It just means we got a glimpse of seeing a team going, okay, that's a team. I watched it last night. That's a team that, that, can probably win seven games. That was my takeaway. Now, is seven wins considered a success for a lot of you? No. I would say it's a success for a coach in his first year. Especially with the amount of talent they lost. The offensive line in particular. We can talk about skill position guys until the Cals come home. They got a slew of them at wide receiver. But when you're replacing a four-year starting quarterback, two of your three top running backs also left via the transfer portal. One of them is playing and getting significant reps at the University of Florida. You will hear his name called Saturday right here on this station when they take on LSU. That hurts. That's tough. The the leadership – more. Even more so than the playmaking ability of Levi Lewis, what the Cajuns miss more than anything is his leadership. When things got tough, Levi calmed everyone down. He did it since he was a freshman. Things get a little hairy for the Cajuns. Who's calm, cool, and collected on the sidelines? Who makes sure everyone gets set? Who makes sure everyone is good to go? The veteran quarterback, the captain, the leader of the team. Ben Rollridge started his very first college game last night. You just don't replace that. Like, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns aren't Alabama. Or Clemson. Or Ohio State, they're not. When you lose a guy like the caliber of Levi Lewis, it takes a while it just does. And on top of that, you lose two of your top three running backs. One of them's at Florida. The other one's at TCU. And then you have to replace not one, not two, but four starting offensive linemen. Ken Marks had been here for eight years. Gone. Gone. Osiris Torrance, NFL draft prospect, could be a first- or second-round draft pick. He's starting for the Florida Gators right now. Billy Napier took him with him to Gainesville. Shane Vallo was not a great player, but he was good. Local kid, Como High, graduated. And your starting right tackle for the last two years, by the way, is starting at tackle in the NFL. For a program the size of UL, with the resources that they have, when you lose that amount of talent, you're lucky that you're going to be a 500 ball club. So if Coach Des and his staff coach them up and they get to over 500, they become a seven-win team and get into a bowl game, that's a wildly successful season. Because you can't show me another program in the group of five. Group of five. That can turn around and lose four starting offensive linemen. Losing two of their starting running backs and losing a four-year starter at quarterback and 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 don't miss a beat. Doesn't work that way. That's not how college football works. It's especially not how college football works at the group of five level. Do I know if Coach Dez is going to be a great coach? I have no idea. I didn't think Billy Napier was a great coach his first year because it was his first year. Guys learn on the job just like you do and I do. This is the thing that we always get twisted. Well, I I got people in my DMs. I got people texting me this whole season. Oh, Brian Kelly, garbage. Coach Dez, garbage. Gary Goff, garbage. They're all terrible. They're all in their first year at their new place. First years are transition years. They always have been. They always will be. The greatest of all time, Nick Saban, in his first year at Alabama. Do you remember them losing to UL Monroe? Do you remember them? The best they could do was playing in the Independence Bowl in the dump that is the stadium in Shreveport. The man revered to as the GOAT, his first year at Alabama, lost to ULM, and the best they could do was play in the Independence Bowl. And that man's considered the greatest of all time as a coach. Billy Napier, a Saban disciple, when he took over, Let me give you a bit of a refresher course. They started off the year 1-3. Beat Grambling, lost at Mississippi State, lost at home to, at then, a not very good Coastal Carolina team, by the way. A game they gave away. They gave that game away. If you remember, I'll take you back four years here, because we all have short-term memories these days. That was not a good Coastal Carolina team. Cajuns lost to them at home in Cajun Field, thirty to twenty-eight. Now the two money games you can't really count, right? Okay, because they got a paycheck. All right, they beat Texas State, New Mexico State. They lose to App State. They win a crazy shootout versus Arkansas State. They they beat Arkansas State. Rather, they lose to Troy. They finish strong by beating Georgia State, South Alabama and needing a last-second field goal to beat ULM at Malone Stadium. That was a 31-28 game. And then they lose to App State in the championship game, the first one for the Sun Belt, and then they get crushed by Tulane in the bowl game. 7-7. No one, and I mean no one, because I covered the team from start to finish before I got here at the station. No one thought... Hey, this guy that's coaching the Raging Cajuns, he's going to have us winning conference championship games and setting records with 13 wins. No one said that. Not a single soul said that. But his first year, they laid the groundwork for what they wanted to do. And then they built upon that and made strides the next year, and the next year, and the next year. Is Coach Dez going to be Billy Napier? No. There's only one Billy Napier. But can Coach Dez coach this team and have them be a bowl team year after year and have them do well? Maybe. I don't know. But I'm not jumping to the conclusion that the guy can coach or can't coach. That's foolish. It's foolish. It's foolish. Same thing with Brian Kelly. You don't know. I see the LSU Tigers play. They look to be more organized. The talent is not there. You got to give them time to build. We're so impatient these days. We're so impatient. We want it now. Instant gratification. I want my team to be great right now. Well, we won 13 games a couple years ago. We've won double-digit games. I can't believe. I got newsflash for you. Would you be 3-3 three and three right now if Billy had stayed? Maybe not. You'd probably be 4-2. I'm thinking Osiris Torrance and Montreal Johnson are worth probably a win by themselves. Probably. That talent alone is worth that. But this program was going to take a step back this year because of all the talent they were losing. Even if he had kept Osiris Torrance and Billy didn't take the Florida job. They weren't going to be a 13-win team. They just weren't. If you thought they were going to be a 13-win team, then you're not paying attention. I'm not trying to be mean. You just weren't paying attention. Not to mention this team learned from that first season on. After the first season, they were able to learn... And this is always the case for a program. Learn how to win games ugly. Learn how to win close games. And Billy's team that next year took that next step. They took that step in year two. But his teams won a lot of games ugly. Won a lot of close games. Won some games they probably shouldn't have won. So once again, enjoy the victory. Give Coach Dez time to succeed or fail. In a couple of years, if it's not where it needs to be, then Dr. Brian Maggard will make a change. Or if Dr. Brian Maggard's not here, someone else will make a change. But this team's got a salty defense. They played great special teams last night. Can they keep that going? That would be helpful. And they have a chance now to get back into bowl contention. Once again, they could get to six wins. They Heck, they could even get to seven wins and still not get to a bowl game because other teams out of the conference already took those spots. But you got to be patient, man. I know it's difficult to do. I know it's tough to do. I know it's tough to do. And, yes, check out Kansas. You're right. You're right. Let's check out Kansas, Jayhawks, shall we? They're doing well as well. Lost their first game over the weekend. Right? They're doing well. Let's do that because Steve wants to have a connection. And, Steve, I'm not loyal to UL. I didn't go to UL. My family didn't go to UL. I have nothing I have no loyalty to UL. I'm just stating facts. How can you make a judgment on a coach 6 games into a season? How can you do it? How is that being I don't know responsible? Is is that what we're doing now? Cuz after 6 games at Alabama, Nick Saban should have been run off after six games. Billy's first season, you, you want you would want to run him off. Is that is that what we're doing? Six games into a, a season. I I don't think so. I don't think that's how it should be. But that's me. I think that's ludicrous. I think you're putting yourself at a disadvantage. By the way, yes, Kansas is having a great year. Also, Steve, Lance Leopold, who has had a tremendous career as a head coach in numerous different locations, and he's turned around the Kansas Jayhawks, have them nationally ranked, absolutely. Great coach, won a ton of national championships at Wisconsin-Whitewater. Before then, he was an assistant at Nebraska. Could be the guy to take over there as well. You know what? Lance Leopold was at his first year in, in Kansas, taking over for Les Miles. They were two and ten. One and eight in the Big Twelve. This year they're five and one, two and one in the Big Twelve, and ranked in the top twenty-five. You just made my argument for me. You just made my argument for me. Cause if you would base it on someone's first season, then there's no way that you think Lance Leopold should have been allowed to come back next year because they went 2-10. and 10. That's awful. That's dreadful. You can consider that to be one of the worst seasons in the country. Oh, look what happened. Next year, they took a step. 5-1. and Got to be patient, man. Y'all are not patient. Y'all are patient in your own lives. You want p- people to be patient with you, but you're not patient with your coaches. Come on now. Got to be equal. Got to take a timeout. Want to give us a holler? Call the game hotline. 337 706 0111. That's 337 706 0111. You're listening to RP3 and Company right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
0: Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers, here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station.
1: Oh, in Louisiana, there are thousands of miles of utility lines and gas pipelines buried just beneath the surface. Sometimes multiple lines are in one area. So if you or your contractor that you've hired to do projects in your yard or on your property, like if it could be for a new fence, privacy fence, chain link fence, doesn't matter, brand new pool, or it could be a gazebo, a swing set, it, it really doesn't matter. You run the risk of hitting an underground line by digging only a few inches. So what happens then? What happens next? Maybe you only knock the power out for your entire neighborhood, but sometimes there's an explosion with injuries and even death. It happens every single year, and there's a very simple way to avoid it. Before you dig, call 811. Call 811 two days before you dig. Tell the operator your address, and someone's going to come out and mark the location of buried lines so you or your contractor can avoid them. It's simple. It's free of charge. And guess what? It's the law. Louisiana 811 operates 811 as a public service and to promote public safety. Louisiana 811 and the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, remind you call 811 and know what's below before you dig. Let's check in on the poll question of the day. Where do we stand on the old votes? We asked you, do you believe after last night's win on the road? against the Marshall Thundering Herd that the raging Cajuns have turned a corner. And look, I I say, I'm on on the thing of maybe. Maybe. It's not an option, right? So I'm going to say, I'm confident, I feel like they turned a corner in that they're going to be playing better football than they had the first month of the season. Now, Does that mean that's going to result in them kind of running the table here and getting a slew of victories? No. But I think they're going to play better. We started seeing them do that against South Alabama. They came up short. This time they were able to get the win over Marshall. A week from Saturday at home will be Arkansas State. The following Thursday will be Southern Miss. So they have an opportunity here to start – Building some momentum for the back half of the season. But how confident are you that the Cajuns have turned a corner? 48% say confident. 38% say not confident. 14% of you say very confident. Love the optimism on this morning. And And the saltiness. I love it all. I'm here for all of it. Keep those votes coming. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. It's our poll question of the day. Well, we have a few minutes here before we bring on Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports to look at the betting lines for some marquee games this weekend. we got a ton of them in college football as well as the Saints-Bengals game. Let's talk a little Major League Baseball playoffs. NL was in action last night. AL took the day off based on this format. Braves game was delayed. By weather, because why not? But it didn't matter. Braves go out there and get themselves the dub as they shut out the Phillies to even the series 1-1. The nightcap, Padres. They jump out on the Dodgers, and then they hold on for a 5-3 victory. Good fight there for the Padres for San Diego to prove that they're just not going to roll right over against the machine that is the Los Angeles Dodgers. Braves, look, the bats finally woke up after the sleepwalking performance they did early against the Phillies in game one. It was good to actually see their bats actually go, hey, we can hit the ball. Now, scary moment in the game, Ronald Kuna gets hit on his hands. So we're not going to know his status for the rest of this series. A little bit of a scary moment there because Wheeler hit him right on his hands. But the Braves do pull out the 3-0 victory right out duels Wheeler as the Braves even up the National League Divisional Series against their NL East division rival. Now, for the Braves... They lost game one of the NLDS last year. So they've been in this position before, and we've talked a lot about this when we talk about the Houston Astros, of being in every type of environment, right? Being in every type of scenario where you, you've, you've experienced it, so you're not intimidated by it. You're not overwhelmed by the fact that you dropped a game. Astros are the same way. But Wright was really good for Atlanta. Atlanta. Six innings, scattered two hits, no runs, struck out six, only threw 83 pitches, which means you didn't just absolutely annihilate his arm, which is good. And Then they turned it over to the bullpen, and they did their job as Jansen came in with the save, going three up, three down there in the ninth. Wheeler, three earned runs on four hits, five strikeouts in six innings. He wasn't terrible, but the Braves got enough hits when they needed them. And that's the big thing. Olsen, who had that dip during the season after the All-Star break, but, man, came up big when this team needed him. Got the single to right. That scored a run there in the bottom of the six to make it one nothing. Then Olsen scored later in that inning on a single. That made it 2 nothing. I mean, Olsen, Olsen didn't... Swanson scored and then Olsen scored. Braves got all their runs there in the 6th inning, all 3 of them. So Bravos win 3 to nothing. That evens that series 1-1 as they head to Philly for games 3 and games 4. Padres meanwhile, they take down the Dodgers 5 to 3. Lots of hits in that ball game as the two teams combined for 20 hits. But now that series goes to San Diego. Once again, the Dodgers have pretty much owned the Padres this year. The, the, the record is lopsided in favor of the Dodgers. And they have the best record of any of the teams in the playoffs. And for the Padres, not only do they get out and get the win, you Darvish pitched really well for them last night. But Hater, who they traded for from the Brewers, who has been awful. He was an all-star closer, comes to the Padres, can't find himself. He got the save against the Dodgers. Darvish, five innings, only gave up seven hits, three earned runs, strikeout out seven. Kershaw got the start, but he was lifted after five innings after giving up three runs on six hits. He did not get the loss. That went to one of the Dodgers' bullpen guys. But Machado homered in this game. Machado also doubled in this game. Trey Turner is a monster. He homered for the Dodgers as well. And Cronworth got some timely timely hits as well, including a solo shot for himself in the eighth inning. So NL will be taking the day off today. As all of those Divisional Series games, Divisional Series rather, They head back to the other teams, sites. American League, though, will be in action today. And you can listen to the Astros right here. Seattle, Houston, live from Minute Maid Park. Luis Castillo will be pitching for the Mariners. Framer Valdez, Mr. Quality Start himself, will be pitching for the Astros. Astro launch will begin at 2.07. First pitch, 237, and you can listen to it live right here on the game. That's right where you're home for Houston Astros baseball in southwest Louisiana. Once again, game two of the ALDS Mariners Strohs, 207 Astro launch begins, 237 first pitch, and you can listen to it live right here on the game. We got to take a timeout. When we return here, we're going to talk to our friend Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports. Great lineup of games to bet on this weekend. He'll give his expert advice. That's next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros.
0: RP3 is known for being a well tempered and thoughtful sports journalist.
1: The incompetence, the absolute abundance of arrogance from Rob Manford makes me want to punch him in his throat.
0: Okay, well, we all have our bad days.
1: I'm not kidding. If he was right here in the studio, I would walk up to him and throw him a punch.
0: Well, let's all hope he took his meds today. Back to hopefully a calm and collected RP3. On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Southwest Louisiana's Louisiana's sports station.
1: Station. I I sound really angry in that. In that... (laughs) I just realized how angry I sound on that. I'm not an angry person, but I can guarantee you if 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 my daughter, shout out to Hattie, if she heard me do that, anytime I, I I get fussy like that, you know what my daughter does? She'll just look at me. Now she she won't even say anything. She used to say, Dad, now she'll just she'll come up, she'll stop what she's doing. I'm not making this up. If I get fussy or I, I get, you know, I I'm getting upset about something and I'll make some remark about something and go, oh, yeah, you know, that's dumb or you know, something like that, she will literally stop what she's doing, playing with baby dolls, drawing, doing homework. It does not matter. She will stop what she'll doing. She'll roll up right where I'm at, and she'll just stand in front of me, the head tilted with the hand on the hip, and just look at me.
3: <laughs> and
1: she'll just tilt her head and look at me and go, dad, daddy, come on. We don't do that in this house. She uses my own words against me all the time because I tell her, don't don't get frustrated. Don't do it. And she'll be like, and she uses my own words. That she'll yep. what did we talk about, Dad? Don't allow yourself to get frustrated. Just breathe. You'll be fine. And then I just realize how ridiculous I am and just got schooled by my eight-year-old daughter, which happens pretty much every day. She is a blessing. Love her to death. Let's talk about this coming weekend. Great slate of games in college football, especially in the SEC. Plus, we got a really good game that could go a long way to determining if these teams make the playoffs in the NFL. It's going to be taking place Sunday in New Orleans. To help us look ahead at those games is our friend from Paramount Sports, the sports betting analyst expert we trust more than anyone else, our good friend Lee Starling. Lee, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend?
4: I'm good. Just wait till you, the, your daughter gets older. I went to see my daughter in a uh, musical uh, last weekend in New York, and to see your daughter kiss kiss another man on stage, even though you know it's you know it's acting, still it's not the best not not one of my favorite things to do
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh i know i know it's gonna be a world of hurt brother it's gonna be a world of hurt yeah. oh man
4: uh, way look- pretty soon middle school i got this one I'll never forget dropping off one of my two daughters and she looks at me she goes turn the other way you drop me off and turn off the music
1: <laughs> <laughs> you're embarrassing me dad please right. Right. I, i'd rather walk the extra block than have you drop me off at the... oh yeah right. oh man being being a being a girl dad man can't 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 beat it brother can't beat it all right so yep. let's look ahead to this weekend because auburn is yet to fire their coach which i feel like there should be a, a bet on how long that will happen. But it is interesting well, it, in this. It, let me
4: ask you a question. Is there something going on where they pay him less if they wait a little while longer?
1: It does feel that way, right? It feels like there's some yeah. sort of buyout in the contract that they're yeah. waiting to, to fire him. Now, interesting tidbit is that Auburn has fired a couple of their football coaches after losing to Ole Miss. So mm-hmm. that's who they play this weekend, Ole Miss-Auburn. The spread is 14. I really like what I'm seeing from Lane Kiffin's team. They were running the football like a service academy, but now they got their quarterback who's out there throwing dimes. They gave yep. them the time to get settled in, in that position. What do you like about this Rebels-Tigers matchup?
4: Okay, so what's great about this time time of year is we've really gotten a lot of da- data right. on every team. So there, there's really no surprises at this point in the year. And, and, and I, I, I was listening to one. in the 70s and 80s when all you did was run the ball. But look what Ole Miss did last year, uh, last week, I'm sorry. 52 points, 591 yards in just 18 minutes and 43 seconds time of possession in their game against Vanderbilt. Um, They even covered the spread uh, by doing it that way. Jackson Dart, um, just think that he's going to have success here. Auburn only has one interception this year. I, I don't know what they're waiting for. I, I just think that they should cut bait and finally fire their coach and and move on. I think it would help them for recruiting. Um, I like Ole Miss here,
1: 38-17. Let's go to the other Mississippi school who's playing really well. The, the loss to LSU now, you kind of look back and you go, what happened with the Bulldogs? But they always have one of those games. They're taking on a Kentucky team now that's kind of lost its way a little bit. We don't know the status of their quarterback for this game, who is going to be probably a first-round draft pick. Bulldogs are the six-point favorite versus the Wildcats. Do you like that betting line?
4: Okay, so I think by looking at the spread, they're telling you that he's probably not going to play. And when he's not in there, that offense, I mean, they're just not dynamic enough uh, to keep up with an offense like Mississippi State, let's just be honest. Now, Mike Leach has had some strange games over the years. Coaches, uh, he's had some times where just his team in that game against LSU, they just, I don't know, maybe they thought they had the game and they relaxed for a second. And Sometimes that happens here. But uh, Kentucky, off two losses, where on the other side, uh, you you got two teams – Someone was telling me, well, they're playing a team that's different that throws the ball. Okay, South Carolina ran uh, the ball 42 of 61 plays. And Ole Miss also had a run-heavy split, 39 passes, just uh, 39 rushes, 29 passes here. But um, Mississippi State throws the ball 66% of the time. But they do it, it, it's like almost a running game. They're short, high-percentage passes here and i just think kentucky's offense is is too underperforming here i like mississippi state 34 23
1: alabama has been a nightmare when it comes to betting against with the spread because they have played down to their competition over and over again did so against texas did so against arkansas but it was able to pull away and then last week against a&m uh, they did everything in their power to lose that game. Multiple turnovers, stupid penalties on defense, kicker inexplicably missing kicks, which has been a tradition under Saban at Alabama. But they ended up winning the game. It was ugly. They have to go to Rocky Top and take on an undefeated Tennessee team that I got to see firsthand lead last week. They look really good, especially on offense. Yep. But yet, Bama is still a seven-point favorite on the road in a battle of unbeaten teams. I know Tennessee has never beaten Alabama while Saban's been there, but I don't know, man. I thought for sure the spread, this point spread would be lower. What does this tell you?
4: I thought so, too, but sometimes um, I don't know if they're trying to bait you, but they're trying to tell you they know something. I do think Bryce Young will play in the game. I think okay. the line's kind of telling you that. I don't think their two coordinators have been even average this year. But let's remember, the last five years, the closest Tennessee has come to beating Alabama, 22 points here. Um, could be down two of the top four secondary guys. Uh, Cedric Tillman, he's still out. This is a guy that you know, caught balls last year for over 1,000 yards and 12 touchdowns. They have the number 128 of 131st pass defense. Uh, Tennessee was gifted that win, I thought, against LSU. They played well, but LSU fumbling the opening kickoff and then allowing that 58-yard punt return at the beginning of the game, they just it, just, it was like, it's like a kid you hand them milk, and they're just spilling it all over the floor until they can get to the dinner table. Um, they just didn't allow themselves to stay in the game here. Now, like I said, it is... You have to give Tennessee credit. They did make it happen, but uh, I think if that game 0-0 after the first quarter, 7-7, we have a different game here. Tennessee unbeaten at home, but they played, they've been favored every single game. Last year, 0-4 against the spread as an underdog. I think there's a lot of pressure on Tennessee here in this game, and I think uh, Josh Heupel is going to succumb to the pressure. I'm going to say roll tide, Alabama. 45-31. 4531. At the end of the game you're going to say where's this been all year.
1: Let's talk about Florida LSU. I look at two teams with first-year head coaches trying to reestablish their programs. Billy Napier did a great job with the raging Cajuns here. He's trying to do the same thing in Gainesville. His quarterback wildly inconsistent even though he's been better passing the ball. No, you know, less far less turnovers, finally throwing touchdowns in the last 3 games with Anthony Richardson. LSU, we know what they get. Jane Daniels is limited, and they're coming off an absolute molly-whopping at home, a humiliating loss to Tennessee on Saturday. Both are 4-2. and two. Could help the trajectory of their season's a win on Saturday, but the game is in the swamp. Florida is a two-point favorite, probably because the game is there in Gainesville. What do you make of this game?
4: So I talked about the fumble on the opening kickoff. Then they allowed the 58-yard punt return. They also drove 70 yards and fell on fourth down deep. involved territory. And then they fell on the next fourth down try at midfield. All this happened in the first 15 minutes. It just happens. You have a game like that pretty much every team does once a year. So they get to do a redo here. And... Missouri's first half time of possession versus the Gators held the ball for almost 21 of the 30 minutes and just felt that I'm looking at this Gators offense and only had 1.9 yards per carry in that game, 5.8 yards per attempt. We're looking at all the data, you know, we have on these two teams here. And... LSU's just a better team, Florida's passing game. Only completing 56% of their passes, six touchdowns on the year. LSU, I mean, over 10% better, 67% completions, eight touchdowns, and only three interceptions where Florida's quarterback, Anthony Richardson, seven interceptions here. I think LSU gets it done here. They rebound 32-20.
1: 32-20, a nice 12-point victory for the Tigers. From our our man Lee Sterling. All right, bud. Let's talk Bengals Saints. Bengals are your defending AFC champs, but that high powered offense has not has looked anything but this year. They're two and three. Uh, Teams are bracketing Jamar Chase, and uh, you know they're not running the ball very well either. The Bengals aren't, which is a difference from last year. The Saints got a much needed win against the Seahawks, but it was against one of the team's you know league's worst defenses, and they you know. Did get Taysom and Alvin Kamara involved, though. So, this seems like a coin flip game. The line is only one in favor of Cincinnati. How do you like this game?
4: So, the defense for Seattle is awful. I mean, they signed a guy that hadn't played defense. guy's playing fullback. Hadn't played defense in six years since college. And, and put him on the active roster. Just shows you how devoid of talent they are. I mean... Swiss Army knife case on Hill. <laughs> he allowed him to escape uh, at home with that win by scoring four touchdowns. You can't count on that again here. I mean it's Adam Kamara, he's their guy. Uh you know the the the, the, the Bengals are they know their old friend Andy Dalton uh, who probably will remain the starter for this game. And look at all the injuries. Okay, uh, besides quarterback position, top three receivers listed as questionable. What the NFL is doing is almost criminal. Uh, it, it seems like 80% of the guys are listed as questionable. Um, they need to add another designation. Three receivers questionable, Taysom Hill questionable, best cornerback Lattimore questionable. I think Cincinnati, the receivers we're going to get it done here. Jamar Chase or any one of their other second or third receivers, really good here. I like Cincy, 30-20. to 20. All
1: right, brother, give us your yep. game of the week there with Paramount Sports.
4: Yep, Tampa Bay and Pittsburgh. You want to find out, can Tampa Bay keep rolling? They came back last week, looked pretty good. I mean, the score was close, but it was 21 nothing after three quarters. Did they route Pittsburgh or in Pittsburgh, can they find summon something and and make this a close game, or maybe pull off the shocker? You want to get the game eight hundred four hundred nine seven four one. We will give you that game for free. Also tonight, I'll give you the Bears game tonight. I love the Bears game. Uh, they're playing at home against Washington. Get both games free eight hundred four hundred nine seven four one. And how about this? We are on right now a thirty-seven and nineteen run in the football. You want to get involved? not October, we call it Locktober, continues three weeks, just $247. You're going to get 10 to 14 games a week, but we have our first 45 to 50-unit selection of the year. It's our biggest play over the last decade. We are 50-18 and on these selections. You want to hop on board? Just one place. Love to have you, ParamountSports.com.
1: Lee, appreciate your time, bud. Best of luck this weekend with your bets, brother, and we'll talk to you next Thursday. Sounds good. See you. That's Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports, our sports betting analyst that joins us every Thursday here on RP3 and Company. My man predicts a big LSU win on the road. Woo! Got to like that if you're a Tiger fan. we got to take a timeout. We'll wrap up our number two, update that poll question of the day for you. That's all next right here on Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Poll question of the day. How confident are you that the Raging Cajuns have turned a corner after last night's impressive road win against the Marshall Thundering Herd? 44% of you say confident. 42% say not confident. 14% say very confident. So keep those votes coming. Keep those comments coming. And also, just want to let you know, if anyone has the reactions that you're going to need for the Astros-Mariners series it's our guy, Matthew Miguez of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Jump on tonight and hang out with one of our Astro fans after Game 2 of the ALDS to give your opinion and thoughts on the game. That's right. Matt's going to be hosting a Twitter space. It's it's what all the kids are doing these days, holding the Twitter spaces. So make sure to turn on your notifications for the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Twitter, that's at game underscore Louisiana and you can join the game's Twitter space tonight with Matt Miguez right after the game. we got to take a timeout. Hour number two, done. Hour number three, we're going to talk Saints with our guy Les East of ChristianCitySports.com. That's next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Hour number three has arrived here in RP3 and Company. And don't be sad. I know what you're thinking. RP3. I already missed two hours. Just now tuning in. Oh, my goodness. Not to worry. We still got a great hour of the show left for you to enjoy, to savor, if you will, on this tremendous Thursday, October the 13th. I'm the big, bald, and beautiful one, Raymond Parks, the third. Of course, I'm joined inside the game studios by the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Names. She was crushed on Tuesday. She was crushed. Her Seattle Mariners, she became a baseball fan this year, decided to root for a team that had not been successful for 20 years. She did not want to be part of a bandwagon, so she wasn't jumping on the Astros or the Yankees or the Red Sox, or the Braves, or the Cardinals. She wanted to find a team that she could, you know, be part of. And sure enough, the team started making a turn at the All-Star break. Their young superstar in the making nearly won the home run derby, and then they make the playoffs for the first time since 2001. Then they win the wild card round, come from behind in dramatic fashion to take down the Toronto Blue Jays. And there she is on the cusp of enjoying a game one victory after they push around, beat up Justin Verlander, the presumptive Cy Young award winner, only to have her skipper make terrible choices late and have a pitcher come in there and leave a meat pitch over the plate for Alvarez to look at and go, hey, it's batting practice. Three run home run. She was devastated, crushed. We didn't reply to text messages, but you know what happened? She dusted herself off, came to work the next day, produced the heck out of two shows. And she's doing it again today, and she feels optimistic, and she's wearing some version of teal on her shirt to represent her Mariners because she's hoping that they're going to go out there with their stud pitcher. Say his name for me.
5: Luis Castillo. There we go. Double L means it's a Y sound.
1: There it is ready to go, correcting how to pronounce her pitcher's name, as well as being confident that they're going to get an even in this series, which you can listen to, of course, live right here on the game later this afternoon. Astros Mariners, 207 Astro launch will begin, 237 first pitch for game two of the ALDS, and you can hear it right here on the game. But right now, it's time for us to talk New Orleans Saints football with our friend. I'm just going to say it. He is one of my absolute favorite Saints reporters, columnists in the entire state of Louisiana from CrescentCitySports.com. Mr. Les East. Les, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend?
5: I'm doing well, Raymond. That was uh, quite the introduction. Thanks.
1: Well, you're welcome, brother. You're welcome. All right great victory for the team they finally discovered their offense but we know the tasem time of four touchdowns is not something that can be done over and over again right but utilizing him in the offensive scheme can be used moving forward and probably just as important getting the ball into alvin kamara's hands as much as possible which they made a conscious effort to do in sunday and it paid off in a big way as he, had, as he had nearly 200 yards of all-purpose yardage. What do you make of what you saw from the offense that went out there despite not having Mike Thomas and Jarvis Landry?
5: Yeah, and, and losing Chris Olave during the game. That's right. I, I think it was um, the best game that Pete Carmichael and the offensive coaching staff have had this year. They had a better uh, game plan. Going in, I think Carmichael called his best game of the year. I think the success that Kamara had early on created some of the opportunities for uh, Taysom as the game went along. It was, uh, I think it was early in the week last week, what uh, Carmichael saw something on film from the Seattle defense that told him that there would be opportunities for Taysom to have some success uh, spelling Andy Dalton. And uh, so that that was part of the plan, and it worked so well in the beginning that they – Uh, decided to utilize it more and more as the game went along, and it wound up being the biggest factor in the game. But you're right. It's not like you just say, well, okay, that's part of the offense now. We'll just get four touchdowns from Taysom every week. You know, it's not going to work that way. Every week's going to be different. But it's good that they recognize that uh, a bigger role for him is something that can help get this offense going and uh he may not touch the ball as many times this week or he might it depends on what they see from the Bengals defense which is much better than the uh, Seahawks defense we'll we'll see how that evolves on Sunday but it's certainly something that's going to be useful going forward if they continue to use Hill and if they get some of those wide receivers healthy then, you know, I think they have a lot to work with on offense. But it, I think it all started with Kamara coming back. But the the recognition that Hill had to be a bigger part of the offense also was significant.
1: Andy Dalton wasn't great, but he wasn't terrible either, Les. And I, I'm a firm believer if you get a guy just as plays middle of the road like Andy did the last couple games, you can win a lot of those games that way, especially – with a good defense and, you know, uh, taking care of opportunities on offense. Um what do you make of that, and do you think that can be a winning formula for this team moving forward?
5: Well, I think that's also kind of a week-to-week thing. I, I think he Dalton's played fairly well these first two games. Uh, they possibly, you know, they were in a position to possibly beat Minnesota, came up a little bit short, and then they did win – and he was helpful. I mean, he had a, a bad turnover in both games, uh, but overall played pretty well. And I, I think they they need to stick with him while that formula is working. I, I don't think he's going to be the long-term starter. I don't think we've really seen Jameis Winston healthy this year, except for the early part of the game against the Falcons. So, you know, I think what – Dalton has done especially with Taysom playing the way he did last week it buys them time to allow Winston to get fully healthy before they put him back in there and then it'll be week by week I think they need to stick with Dalton for the time being because he's playing good enough for them to have a chance to win Uh, but I think at some point in the not-too-distant future, they're going to want to take a look at a healthy Jameis Winston as the starter again and, and see where that takes them. But uh, for the time being, I think Dalton gives them the best chance, and those I would assume stick with him on Sunday. We'll see if Jameis practices today or tomorrow, but I would assume Dalton's going to be the guy this week. And then I think it's a week-to-week thing based on the opponent, based on whether they win or lose, and, and how Dalton's playing
1: the defense wasn't great in Sunday's game. They gave a, a ton of big chunk plays, right? The the two touchdowns, the Lockett, the DK Metcalf touchdown, uh, Kenneth Walker the third's rushing touchdown for sixty nine yards. They Paulson Adebo had a rough game. What do you make of what you saw from the defense, especially giving up the big chunk plays?
5: Well, it was uh, it was overall a bad game. Six plays of thirty two or more yards, so that's that's not good. <clears throat> uh, one thing that, that helped them is the offense held the ball for about thirty seven minutes or so. So uh, Seattle's options were limited, which was partly because they were scoring so fast, but it was also because the Saints were keeping the ball away from them. So I think they actually had uh, a, a some version of complementary football for the first time this season, but they can't afford to give up big plays like that going forward. And um, that that's something I think is correctable. They're, they're not a defense that normally gives up a lot of explosive plays. I think they had some breakdowns. Uh, certainly, on the long run, by by Walker, that was uh, uh, Allen said it was a bad defensive call by him. Also, some players didn't didn't fit their gaps the way they were supposed to. So that was something that I think is fixable. Obviously, Seattle was picking on Paulson and Debo and had a lot of success there. I think one of the keys this week is going to be whether Marshawn Lattimore is available. He had the abdominal injury late in the game. On Sunday, didn't practice yesterday. I I think the chances of him playing Sunday probably aren't great. And uh, with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and the Bengals passing game coming to town, if they have to face them without their best cornerback, uh, I think there's a real potential uh, for problems defending the pass on Sunday.
1: Let's talk about that injury report because – uh, it's another week of a midweek injury report, and it's massive for the Saints, Les. It, I mean, I can't remember a time where I've seen that so large, and the opposing team has like three guys, and the Saints have like 15. It, it's it's mind-blowing to me. Where do we stand on the wide receivers and Michael Thomas, Landry, and Alave?
5: Well, and you also have to throw Deontay Hardy in there, uh, who got hurt returning a kickoff the other day. I I think he's probably not likely to play on Sunday. Uh, I would guess that Jarvis has the best chance of playing. Dennis Allen said that he was close last week. And so I think sitting out Sunday, sitting out practice yesterday, being a veteran, he doesn't have to practice a lot. So I think he's got a pretty good chance to be active on Sunday. There have been reports that Mike Thomas will be back this week. I'm not sure what that's based on. He has a toe injury, which is not great for a wide receiver, and uh, did not practice yesterday. So we'll see how accurate those reports are. But if he's going to play, I would think we would see him back on the field, uh, if not today, certainly tomorrow. So that's worth watching. And then Olave, you know, that's pretty much he's in the concussion protocol. So that's, you know, that's going to run its own course. You know, if he passes the tests he needs to pass, he'll be able to play. If not, uh, he'll be out. I, my guess is that it's more likely he will be out than he will play. But, again, that's something we have to see how it evolves over over the next couple of days. But I, I think that at least Landry should be able to play on Sunday and if – If they're lucky, they'll get at least one other guy back.
1: Can they win Sunday's game without Michael Thomas and Chris Olave both not playing?
5: Well, it'll be hard because they're going to. They'll probably have to score a fair number of points to keep up with the Bengals. And you know, we saw even with the game on Sunday when the offense put up 39 points. And they held on. They did a nice job with the four-minute offense at the end to put it away. They were struggling in the fourth quarter after Alave and Hardy went out. Uh, They had a very limited passing game. They were able to run the ball mostly because of Hill late just enough to get by but they have to be able to be balanced on offense and that's going to be hard to do with essentially last year's receiving core which is what they were down to at the end of the last game so uh, that's going to be hard if they don't get Thomas or Alave back but I think the real key to the game is going to be their ability to generate a pass rush with their front four. If they can hurry Burrow without having to sell out on the blitz I think that's going to Uh, give the pass defense enough uh, of an opportunity to keep them in the game. So I I think that's going to be a real key, is getting a pass rush from the front four.
1: All right, bud. How do you think this is going to go down Sunday? I know it's early. You still got to figure out what players are playing and what are not, but do you think the Saints figured out enough about themselves to be able to go toe-to-toe and beat a good Cincinnati Bengals team that's kind of underperformed to start the season? They're 2-3 and as well.
5: Yeah, and all three of their losses have come on field goals on the last play of the game. So they're pretty close to being 5-0. and uh, I think the Saints will continue the improvement they shared last week. I think they will play well and hang in there. But I think ultimately uh, – the Bengals will get better quarterback play from Burrow than the Saints will get. And I think that'll make the difference. And it'll be something like 26 23. But, you know, the Saints can win. But uh, you're asking me to pick. And I would say that Cincinnati would be the team I would pick.
1: Les, appreciate your time as always, brother. Tell the people where they can go to read your latest work and what you got coming up in the next few days.
5: Yeah, thanks. Uh, com. lots of Saints stuff there. And we're we're, uh, kicking in with uh, more Pelicans coverage with the opener looming. And uh, lots of stuff on SaturdayDownSouth.com on LSU and also on Mississippi State.
1: Brother, keep up the tremendous work, my friend. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Raymond. Hey, just a reminder that It's time for you to warm up your dancing legs for the official run in Duathlon of Festival Acadian, race through Lafayette's Historic District, and end up at Girard Park for Festival Acadian on Sunday, this coming Sunday, October the 16th. Compete in the 5K or 10K or the Run Paddle Run in the Duathlon. Taking part in the event not only encourages activity, living your best life outdoors, but also supports local parks, community projects, and the festival that you love. If you want to volunteer or simply register for the event, visit latrail.org. That's latrail.org. we got to take a timeout. We'll update the poll question of the day. Also, take your phone calls if you want to get them in. You want to talk Cajuns, Tigers, Cowboys, or even some New Orleans Saints. Astros, too. Love to hear from you. Hotline's open. 337 706 0111. You're listening to the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
0: Great news, my sports loving friend. No more aimlessly searching for sports talk love by swiping left or right. That's because you've already found the perfect match. For sports talk love, that is. I'm now, back to the only lover you'll ever need. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. <laughs>
1: Oh, the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. Listen up. Because once you become a member of our rewards club, which, by the way, it's free and simple to join. Seriously, I even figured it out. You'll have the opportunity to win excellent prizes, like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou. Mouthwatering steaks, great sides, desserts, you can show your lady a good time at Mr. Lester's. Or you can also score yourself a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. But you can only win these great prizes by becoming a member of the game's clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. What are you waiting for? You got some time? Make it happen. Let's check in on our poll question of the day, because coming up in about seven minutes, we're going to have Chris Vanini on from the athletic college football writer, one of the best in the business. He'll join us. Lots of marquee matchups. I do believe we have three matchups of undefeated teams facing off on Saturday. It's going to be a heck of a weekend in college football. But speaking of college football, that is our poll question of the day, raging Cajuns, Go on the road, get themselves a win last night against Marshall. Running the football is still a concern, but Ben Woolridge looked good. He was efficient, didn't turn over the ball. Defense was great. They were good and salty, forced turnovers, which they've been doing all season long. And Kenny Almadeiras, the kicker who had his issues earlier this season, was three for three, including a 52-yarder as they go on the road to get the win, to improve to 3-3 three and three on the season. Now, still plenty of tough games left on the schedule, but you got Arkansas State a week from Saturday at Cajun Field. Then the following Thursday, it's on the road at Southern Miss. Those are two winnable games. Then you got Troy. They're one of the better teams. They are very much improved under a, a new head coach. But then Georgia Southern, they're struggling a little bit as well. You still got Texas State. So, It's not going to be easy, but they did look like a Raging Cajuns football team last night for really the first time all season from start to finish as they get the 10-point victory on the road. And that led us to a poll question of the day. How confident are you that the Raging Cajuns have, in fact, turned a corner? 43% of you say not confident. Still need to see them do this a couple games in a row. 42% of you do say confident, and 15% of you say very confident. Makes a lot of sense. Oh, Salty Steve says, where can I buy a a pair of vermilion-colored glasses? I need to wear them for the rest of the season so I can enjoy subpar football. Hashtag not salty. Hashtag truth hurts. And Darren replied, in Baton Rouge, (laughs) <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. What did I tell all of y'all before the start of the season? What did I tell all of y'all? Steve and Darren and Martin and Jamie and James, all of y'all. What did I say? Transition year for all these coaches. Transition year for all of these coaches. It's not going to look pretty. There's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be frustrating losses. And sure enough, LSU's 4-2. and two. Cajuns are 3-3. Three and three. McNeese has one win on the season. All programs, all three of those, are under new head coaches. It takes time. This is a transition year. It's always going to be bumpy that first year. Always is. Now, if these teams are still playing this way in years two and three, then, you know, know, then you can be kind of fired up. But rose-colored glasses, you can buy them in Baton Rouge. (laughs) That's pretty good. Shout-out to Darren and Steve with the back-and-forth on the Twitter. I like that. I like that. Look, six, seven wins, good season for the Cajuns. Seven wins, good year for the Tigers. Getting to back four wins under the first year of Gary Goff, that's a win as well, right? It's all about laying the foundation because all three of them are having to do some sort of rebuild. Brian Kelly, Gary Goff are facing far more of a rebuild than, say, Coach Dez is, but Coach Dez is dealing with a ton of talent leaving the program as well. So they're all trying to lay the foundation for having great seasons moving forward and we'll see if that happens but I'm I'm a little bit more patient than most of y'all but most of y'all are just y'all, y'all ready man y'all, y'all ready to throw y'all ready to throw a coach out with the bathwater like four or five games in it takes time you gotta give it some time you gotta you gotta you gotta wait it out I know that's not fun I know it's not fun watching your teams play mediocre football I get it, but it's necessary. It's part of the process. Let's go to Facebook real quick. Brooks says, somewhat confident, still not put together team considering the massive amount of replacements from last year, but they look better than expected. Blake says, confident, looks like we found our quarterback. Hopefully coach doesn't go back to the two-quarterback system. That is a question mark, right? Is he just going to stick with Ben, or is he going to try to incorporate Chandler when he gets back healthy? Paul says, I think it will be very similar to LSU and the Saints, inconsistent, although last night was a great victory. Justin on Facebook says, defense looked great, got great wide receivers, just need the quarterback to work a little bit more, and they will put things together. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on our buddy Doug to the show. Doug, good morning to you, bud. What's on your
6: mind? What's up, Ray? What's up, man? Look, Ray, I mean, you're 100% correct, I mean... People that are uh, calling for uh, uh, the heads of these head coaches out there, they just don't realize. They don't understand how much work goes into, you know, building the team back up. And look what they were left with. Coach Brian, man, he was left with an empty, empty cupboard. Uh, Coach Dez, I mean, he lost a lot of players, too, especially on that old line. So, I mean, come on, guys. Y'all give him a chance. Next year or the year after, they should show some progress, I hope. But, look, I was surprised that the Cajuns win last night, Ray. It really was. I thought they were going to come back with it now. That was impressive. That really was impressive, and that's a good sign for the Cajuns. I'm proud of them.
1: I agree, brother. I agree. It's a step in the right direction. Appreciate the phone call, bud. Enjoy the rest of your day, my friend. You too, Ray. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, Chris Fadini from The Athletic talking all things college football. That's next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
0: You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana.
1: What a slate of college football action we have this weekend. Multiple undefeated matchups, or matchups between undefeated teams rather. Oh man, lots of playoff implications, conference championship implications at the midway point here of the season with these matchups. And as a college football fan, oh man, you got to love it. You got to absolutely love it. And to give us a preview on those games and just give us his thoughts on on where college football is at right now is one of the best guys in the business covering the sport from the athletic our old friend Chris Vanini joins us now Chris good morning to you brother how you feeling man
6: I am doing well appreciate having me
1: alright bud give me your biggest surprise both good and bad so far this season with a team or a player or whatever it might be
6: Uh, I think say uh, on the good side um, there's a lot of them and I know we all talked about Kansas a ton but I'm going to say Tennessee right now you know to, to, to be 5-0 and oh, number six in the country Alabama coming to town the biggest game of the year uh, Tennessee has turned around so quickly under Josh Heupel in a way that I didn't expect because of the state of that roster when Jeremy Pruitt was fired and that NCAA investigation was going on they lost a ton of starters and good players on the team and Josh Heupel, at them as a top six team, and if Bryce Young doesn't play, perhaps a favorite to beat Alabama this weekend. So, so that's that's a really uh, big, exciting one in terms of. On the bad side, I'd probably say Houston. I think they're three and three right now, and they just had to make a big comeback to beat Memphis. But that's a team we thought could be twelve and zero in the regular season or something like that. They just have not clicked. Daniel Holderson's made some odd comments about not taking responsibility for things. Uh, it's just kind of been a messy season down in Houston.
1: Yeah, it, it's a perfect way of describing that because it does seem to be a mess. And, and to and to be fair, Dana's had that before, right? So you know, it, the coaching resume it, it, it tends to end up being a little messy when he departs. But I, I'm stunned by Houston as well. And I'll give you another one. And you, you mentioned them playing Tennessee, Alabama it looks like the most vulnerable, undefeated team in the country. And I know they haven't had Bryce Young, and they had to put the Young fella in there, and the passing's not quite there, and they committed a lot of turnovers. But I'm seeing carryover from last year when I watched them play, Chris. I see a team that's sloppy with penalties, dumb penalties, and I don't see a dominant performance across the lines of scrimmage. We can talk all about the wide receivers all we want, I don't see kind of the hallmarks of a Nick Saban team. I see a Nick Saban team that's undisciplined and not dominant on the line of scrimmage,
6: and struggling in in, in, in the in the pass game, a defensive backfield, which yes. is Nick Saban's specialty. I mean, they, they were they've been one play away from losing uh, twice to Texas and to Texas A and M. Uh, you know, if, if they miss that field goal against Texas, or if Texas A and M scores a touchdown at the end, so this is a very vulnerable team. Like you said, they're, they're, the penalties are an issue. And, you know, we all talked about Jalen Milrow and Alabama's offense turning the ball over, struggling against Texas AM, but A&M put up 24 points with its own backup quarterback. And that's what I'm talking about, about other teams maybe being able to move the ball more than we thought. Arkansas was able to move the ball in Alabama as well. This defense is not what we typically see from Alabama and you combine that with the penalties and you combine that with Bryce Young's injury and this becomes a very vulnerable team
1: and the other thing that stands out to me about this team is you're right about their their sloppiness with the penalties like we just discussed but with Bryce being out they've figured out how to run the football right Chris like that that's the thing that I've noticed with this team is that yeah, they haven't had Bryce. Well, all of a sudden, after struggling to be able to run the football, they figured it out, and now they can run the football really well. If Bryce comes back this weekend, how much is is, is that an advantage now for Alabama moving forward that they figured out how to physically run the football like they used to?
6: It's big, obviously. I mean, I mean, where this—I don't know where this team would be if not for Jameer Gibbs, the running oh, yeah. back, the transfer from Georgia Tech. He he's put them on their back in a number of these games. And even a little bit in that Texas game uh, as well, even when Bryce Young did play. So if Bryce Young can come back, and Alabama can run the ball, that's certainly going to be an advantage. We saw many points they put up against Arkansas, even when Bryce Young got hurt. This team can score, uh, and the receivers have started to come along a bit better. They, they were nowhere to be seen early in the season. Uh, so if Bryce Young's back, that'll help. But that's not going to—you know—that doesn't impact your ability to stop a deep ball on defense and stuff like that. And I think that's where a lot of the issues have come. And that's what I'm most interested in this matchup. Ended Hooker, Tennessee, they get a lot of explosive plays in the passing game. And they didn't against you I mean, they won without getting those explosive plays so they can win other ways. But this is a team that thrives on creating the big plays. And I'm curious if Alabama is going to be able to stop it.
1: What do you make of this matchup It's one of the several undefeated matchups featuring ranked teams? Let's start there. The game is in Rocky Top. It feels like the biggest game for Tennessee in a decade. Uh, They have an opportunity here to make a statement and put their stamp on being an actual playoff contender by finally beating Alabama. How do you like this matchup?
6: It it all depends on Bryce Young. Like, Alabama's a seven-point favorite. I mean, I would not put any money on this game because we don't know the status of the quarterback. It all depends on Bryce Young. If Bryce Young's not playing... I'm probably picking Tennessee, which is kind of a crazy thing to say. And, and if Bryce Young plays, I'll probably favor Alabama. So it, it really simply comes down to that. And yeah, you know, we, we've we've floated with Tennessee being quote unquote back a number of times over the years. Which Jones, I think, won eight nine games a couple times, finally beat Florida and all these things under Pruitt. But this would truly be the moment where Tennessee feels back in, in the in the, the the wild tennessee fan base is going to truly feel like it's there so a lot on the line for
1: this one that's the 3-6 matchup bama 3 tennessee 6 230 on saturday let's talk about another game that's going to be kicking off 230 on saturday and we've spent so much time rightfully so talking about how good the kansas teams are this season in the big 12 but oklahoma state undefeated 5 and 0 tcu undefeated 5 and 0 this is an 8-13 matchup. Oh, man, it should be a good one. What do you make of what we're seeing so far early in the season between the Cowboys and the Horned Frogs?
6: Yeah, I'll be there uh, at, at this one. And, yeah, you know, Spencer Sanders at Oklahoma State, he's taking care of the ball. Defense under new coordinator Derek Mason has continued to be solid as it was in the past. And Oklahoma State's just been a, a very solid team, continues to adjust to very different styles of play. And TCU, you know, they've been 5 and 0. Max Duggan, I've got him on my Heisman ballot right now. He took over a quarterback, you know, during the first game. He's been there forever. When Sonny Dykes came in, it wasn't a full rebuild. You know, he, he took over a program that consistently had the third best recruiting class in the Big 12, behind Texas, Oklahoma. So you come in, and you've got a lot of speed, and you've got a lot of athleticism there. Quentin Johnson, the receiver, had a huge game against uh, uh, Kansas. And you've got a team that looks like it can win the Big 12. And so this is this is one of the biggest Big 12 games of the year.
1: The other matchup between a pair of ranked undefeated teams takes place in the Big 10. That's going to be the early morning game, 11 a.m. Number 10, Penn State, 5-0, and 2-0 in the Big 10. They're going to the big house to take on the Michigan Wolverines who are sneakily just there, 6-0. and Doesn't seem like we're talking a ton about harbaugh's group this year a year after making it to the college football playoff uh what do you make of this early morning big 10 tilt
6: well we we just we still don't know a single thing about michigan they 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 haven't played anybody this year their their best win is either maryland or iowa after you know a joke of a non-conference schedule so this is going to be the first time we really know and i think michigan's pass rush is very strong once again. I think the secondary might might be a weak spot, uh, but we, we haven't really seen it against a complete team. Penn State can run the ball. Uh, I've, we, we need to see if Sean Clifford can hit some big plays in the passing game, but more than anything else, Penn State needs to protect Sean Clifford. Now That's always been an issue for them, as offensive line and being able to protect the quarterback. So if Michigan can get to him, then it may slow down Penn State. But now we're truly going to see what Michigan can or can't do.
1: Let's stay in the Big Ten because a surprising team, I think, for a lot of folks is what Brett Bielema is doing with the fighting alumni, right? Illinois is ranked in the top 25. They're 5-1, 2-1 and, one, two and one in the Big Ten. They got a big test, though. They're at home in Champaign this weekend when Minnesota comes to town 4-1. and one. What's going so right with Brett Bielema there at Illinois when so many other coaches have struggled in the last decade?
6: He's he's built a classic Brett Bieleman team. He's got one of the one of the nation's leading rushers uh, in, um, in in in, uh, in in Chase Brown. And he's got what has been one of the stingiest defenses in the country, and that's how he typically wins games. Ryan Walters, the defense coordinator, has done a very good job there, and he's been able to kind of find and develop and plug in some offensive linemen in a way that uh, Illinois is able to move the ball on the ground in ways that it wasn't before. So this is just. It's a team with an identity that knows what it wants to do. Are they the favorite to win the West? Maybe. You know, it's a very wide-open division. I don't think there's any great teams in that division. But Illinois, you know, talking about surprising teams, they're certainly among that group as well.
1: Another team that has been a pleasant surprise, of course, are the Kansas Jayhawks. Great story. And uh, Leopold's done a tremendous job in year two after only winning two games in year one. He's turned things around in the second year. They're ranked, but they're coming off their first loss. And for me, they they, they suffer their first loss. And now they get to play a struggling Oklahoma team that suffered its worst loss to Texas ever in the Red River shootout. I don't think that necessarily is a good thing for Kansas. Uh, But... Talk about the struggles for Venables because a well-respected defensive-minded coach, I know Lincoln Riley took the best players with him to USC, but I don't think anyone expected Oklahoma to be 3-3 and and 0-3 in the Big 12.
6: Well, and it's not like Oklahoma's defense has been terrible all season. You know, their first three games, I know the competition wasn't great, but it's not like they were allowing a surprising amount of points to Kent State or something like that. It's really just fallen off, off a cliff in the last three games. Oklahoma is actually a nine point favorite in this game against Kansas, which stunned me when it came out. And I can only assume that's because Dylan Gabriel's probably back at quarterback for Oklahoma, and Jalen Daniels is probably out at quarterback for Kansas. But Jason Beam came in and played very well and almost beat TCU last week. So I, that's another game I don't know if I'd touch. It. It's a very strange line to me. Yeah, this is the worst stretch we've seen from Oklahoma in decades maybe you know they were down in the 90s but we never saw a three-game stretch like that to to lose by 30 plus points for the first time in consecutive games for the first time ever I I don't know what the heck has changed so quickly Brent Venable said after the Texas game that they look like a tired team I don't know why you're tired only six games into the season but uh, they've got they've got big problems there right now
1: one more for you brother before we let you go James Madison's not allowed to play for a conference championship game or get to a bowl game because it's the first year of their transition from the FCS up to the FBS, but they are absolutely putting on a show and showing that they belong ranked in the top 25. They're 5 and 0, 3 and 0 in the Sunbelt Conference. They take on Georgia Southern on the road there in Statesboro this weekend. What do you make of the transition and how easy it has seemed for James Madison?
6: You know, we've seen these these programs that move up from FCS that were that were top teams in FCS have been able to translate it to FBS. Appalachian State, Coastal Carolina, you know, Georgia Southern won the Sun Belt the first year it came up uh, from FCS. It went eight zero in the conference, so we've seen it before. And, and you know, JMU is undefeated. They haven't. The schedule has not been difficult. You know, they beat Appalachian State, but Appalachian State's been a weird team. But outside of App State, they've won every other game they've played by at least 20 points. They are blowing out the teams they play, even if they're not playing a difficult schedule. So, they've got a quarterback and Todd Centeno, the transfer from Colorado State, who has really fit in. And, yeah, this is a program that was top three FCS team, like, the last four years. So, you know, when you know what it takes to win, when you already have that in place... Doesn't matter what level you're playing at, it just it just continues like that.
1: Chris, appreciate your time as always, brother. Tell the people how they can follow you on social media, and what you got coming to your byline for the Athletic this weekend.
6: Yeah, just uh, at Chris Vanini on Twitter. Had a story come out yesterday about the future of Conference USA, the potential expansion candidates, uh, the TV deal situation that's coming up, and a lot of news about uh, the future of that conference.
1: Chris, appreciate your time. I know you're busy, brother. But thank you for making the time this morning and keep up the tremendous work and we'll talk to you soon.
6: Yep. Thanks for having me.
1: We got to take a timeout. Our final one of today's show. We'll finalize the poll question of the day and then get you set up for footnotes with guest host George Faust. So that's right, the king is in the building. Right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros. <laughs> Uh, The Sweet Dough Pie Festival is coming back and serving up a slice of history and deliciousness. Every year, pastry chefs and home cooks vie to be crowned the best in the Sweet Dough Pie Contest where the public is the judge. And, of course, a large variety of pies are available for purchase. The Sweet Dough Pie Festival returns this, I don't know, not this Saturday, Saturday, October the 29th. That's right, Halloween weekend. Sweet Dough Pie Festival returns Saturday, October 29th from 9 to 3 at Grand Coteau Town Park in Grand Coteau. For more information, Call 337-331-6352 or visit the town of Grand Coteau's Facebook page. I want to take a moment to thank our guests for making today's show tremendous. Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports, Les East from CrescentCitySports.com, and Chris Vanini from The Athletic. Our poll question of the day was about those Raging Cajuns who got the road win last night against Marshall. How confident are you that the Raging Cajuns have now turned a corner 45% of you say confident, 41% say not confident, 14% say very confident. Thanks to all who voted and left their comments on Facebook and Twitter. We appreciate you doing so. For the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Names, I'm Raymond Parch III, better known as RP3. We'll do it all again tomorrow, 6 to 9, to close out the work week. But until then, be safe out there, be kind to one another. Footnotes with guest host George Faust is next, right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros.